of the Xamarin Podcast. I'm James Montemagno here in beautiful, normal temperature, not 115 degrees, Phoenix, Arizona. And with me, once again, the one, the only, Mike James. How's it going, buddy? Oh, it's going really well, thank you, James. How's it going with you? It's going fantastic. I'm on my third cup of coffee this morning. It's not, it just turned 10 o'clock. I'm pretty oh, my stoked. Goodness. That, that might explain all the energy. So uh, I, I've been up to 3 a.m. and it's now 6 p.m. And I've got a cup of coffee in front of me and I'm trying to stay awake. So if uh, if I start to, you know, become a bit uh, groany, then just, uh, you know, give me a kick and I'll wake up. So, so was this a was this a brew that you made? So in our in our in our new annual installment here, of a classic version of what you drinking. Uh, this is the first the first one. Maybe a year from now we'll revisit the what you drinking. But you're, we're both drinking coffee currently. Uh, but are you drinking a, a home brew? Or did you did you craft? Did you French press? Did you Aero press? Or did you just go to Starbucks or something? What's the jam? You know, because I was so tired, I did something that you're gonna hate me for. I used the instant. Oh no! I know. I boiled a kettle. I got some milk out the fridge, and I used the spoon to scoop up coffee granules and throw them in a cup. I am an animal, but I needed (laughs) I needed sugar, and I was like, I can't just eat the sugar. I've got to, you know, try and liquidize it somehow. So, instant coffee it was. You know, when I was in Romania uh, a few years back. There was instant coffee everywhere. It was like a really big thing. And I didn't understand it coming from the States because I never really drank instant coffee coming up. Uh, and Keurig is almost instant coffee. It's not real coffee. Uh, and uh, I didn't I didn't understand the concept. So I would try it. And I was like, I don't understand how people can drink this. But, you know, if you got to get your fix, got to get your kick, I completely understand. I am drinking a, uh, a home brew today, mm. uh, French press. So, I mean, I, I also boiled the water. and uh, Just black coffee is how I drink it. It's a Cartel Coffee, uh, one of the local roasteries here in Phoenix. Even though I do live in Seattle, I'm here in Phoenix once again, uh, which is quite lovely. Uh, so very good, very delicious. And this is my third cup this morning. I'm very excited about it. So that's the that's what you've been drinking. <laughs> and what I like about the Xamarin podcast is that I asked I asked Mike today. If, he, if people don't don't know, I'm pretty energetic even in the morning. And I go, Mike, do you want me to introduce the show, or do you, do you want to introduce the show? And he goes, No, I just like your energy. So hopefully, I've I've lifted. Not only is that instant coffee lifting you up, but hopefully, I'm just lifting you up by the energy that's protruding over here from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way across the water to the UK. You've ele- you've elevated me to a whole new level of excitement about this podcast. I'm I'm ready to do this. Let's do it, James. Let's do it. I'm really excited because we have a great topic today. We're, I mean, we're going to cover a few topics in, in the very beginning, kind of like a recap of what's kind of going on in the world of Xamarin. Very cool few awesome things going on. Uh, but not only what you've been drinking, because that's really interesting, uh, but we wanted to talk about analytics and crash reporting, uh, which is actually something pretty near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've been in that space for a long time. So that's going to be our topic for today. I'm very excited about it. But I wanted to open up with a few interesting topics that you may have missed in the world of Xamarin. And the first one is actually a post from my good friend and your good friend, Mr. John Dick, Mr. Reth, if you will, if you know him on the Twitters or Reth Codes. Uh, he talked about the announcement of the Xamarin uh, or the Amazon Web Services mobile SDKs for Xamarin. And this was just a few weeks ago. 
uh, which is very exciting. And if you don't, if people don't know, there's a lot of different backends for your application. You guys, you and Pierce talked about backends for your front end, end of your application. Talked a lot about uh, Pars and Amazon and AW er, and uh, Azure Mobile Services. Uh, but the uh, the Amazon uh, Web Services or AWS SDK for Xamarin is really interesting. It's all like PCL based, really intriguing, and it adds a lot of different functionality to your application and all the different Amazon services. It has Cognito Identity, Cognito Sync, uh, S3, which is the simple storage service, uh, which is cloud storage, DynamoDB, mobile analytics, simple notification service for push notifications across any of your Xamarin iOS and Android applications. Uh, and he gave a really quick sample of how to easily synchronize data to and from all of your different devices and your backend. Uh, with just a few lines of code and even authorized with uh, the Facebook graph, uh, which is pretty interesting. And you can get a full components on the component store. And then to back that up, uh, earlier this week, on the 19th of August, we announced that uh, we helped launch the AWS uh, Partner Network, the Advanced Technology Partner Network of Mobile Competency, uh, which is kind of like this premier partner network of, of amazing people working uh, in and helping and, and seeing how to utilize AWS uh, for the front ends. Uh, so we're kind of making it easy, fast, and fun to, to build uh, mobile applications and then tie them up to a high-performant uh, backend on a robust clou cloud services such as AWS. But I think what's great now is that you have yet another tool in your toolbox uh, if you're building Xamarin applications to tie into not only Azure, but AWS or Parse. Uh, have you ever any, had any experience, Mike, with uh, AWS at all? You know, I, I watched the video on it um, from Evolve because when I was looking for biz ranking for a backend, uh, I seriously considered it, but it was just before we released the SDKs. So the SDK story wasn't so great. Um, there was certainly support, um, but I didn't get as excited as I did for, for mobile services from Azure. Um, but now that we've got these uh, SDKs, I'm very, very interested to look at this again. Yeah, and what's really nice is, uh, so Tara Walker, who also pre presented at Evolve, she came out to Xamarin Dev Days in Atlanta and presented on this. And what's really nice is they didn't just create bindings for like their existing SDKs, they created an entire .NET mobile SDK. And what that means is this not only works with your Xamarin iOS and Android applications, it also works with your Windows Phone applications, and it's all from a portable class library. So you don't have to go in and write the connection code three times or try to write it in a shared project. You can put it all in your portable class library and off to the races, which is really, really nice. Yeah, that's that's actually very, very nice. I'm gonna absolutely have to check that out. Um, I really like I really like it when when kind of developer groups go that extra mile. It's that it's that finishing touch to really put it in that PCL and um, and and it gives a really nice developer experience. So let's talk about analytics and crash reporting because it's dear to your heart and i'm excited because insights is just moved from uh it's still in preview but it's moved to production servers um so we're readying it for release it's not quite ready for release but we're readying it um and the new readying, yeah, yeah the new dashboard is online and if you go to insights.xamarin.com right now you will see the new theme um and i must say it is beautiful um so you, you, you may go, go along to the website and have a look at it and just think that, you know, we, we've we've improved the CSS a bit. It's a, it's a little different, but you should understand that we've made some radical changes on the back end to make 
to make this even easier to improve as we go on. So the engineering team is confident that we're going to be able to add some really exciting features to this very quickly. Um, so, so before we even dive into some of the features of how insights work, I guess we should talk a little bit just about analytics and crash report. Like why should we be using it and what's our history? Um, you know, what's, what's your history, Mike, and why did you start using analytic and crash reporting software? So I, I started using it after I got an app review. Um, it was like two stars that said it crashed. And I was like, oh, man, I, I don't know why it crashed. Like, he's not given me anything to, to work with. And this was like, this was before we announced Xamarin Insights. I knew that we were going to be doing Xamarin Insights because I'd spoken with Neil and I knew that we were building the team in order to develop the product. But we didn't have anything tangible that I could use. And I was like, you know, I need to get on top of the quality of my mobile apps. I can't be shipping applications and getting you know, a two-star review saying it crashed. And not knowing why it crashed. So I looked into the different services that are available. Um, and I found Raygun. And they had a, well, they have an amazing Xamarin library that allowed me to just add a component. Just like Xamarin, just add in the, uh, you know, the unique API key and boom ready to go, it was catching my uncaught exceptions and reporting them to me. And I was getting emails telling me, you know, the app has crashed, I could go to the web portal, just like with Xamarin, and I could get the full stack trace. And I found that immensely useful. So I started shipping all of my applications with Raygun. And when we released Xamarin Insights, it was a, it was a no brainer because, you know, I was paying for Raygun. So, you know, I didn't, we don't have to pay for crash reporting with Xamarin Insights. So I was like, okay, well, this makes sense. I'll switch to Insights. Uh, so I made the switch over. Um, but my, the only reason I got involved with, you know, analytics and uh, crash analytics is because of the quality of my apps. I, I really, really want to avoid getting those poor reviews. Um, and I want to know what's led to those poor reviews. And you don't get that by just reading, you know, the aftermath of a crash. Uh, from the user so what about yourself james yeah. what have you used well you know it's been four years um since i've started mobile development and when i started creating uh, my original applications my media center when i worked for a company called seton uh and we were it was a dvr application so it would connect remotely to your dvr and you could manage you could browse your guide and, and browse your shows and schedule recordings and everything like that and that's what i did four years ago across all the different platforms and, and at that time, what, what we were using it for was not only just crash reporting, because we were like, oh, then we need to get a way to get our crash reports back. I was more interested in the analytics side of things. I was really interested in page views, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I was interested because our application was very complex. There was multiple areas to the application, so you could go to the guide, you could browse your TV series, you could see premieres, you could see your movies, you could see movies on tonight, you could schedule, you could manage, you could go into show details, you could, you know, all this different information. And what I needed to, to know was where were, what, what sections on my application were my users actually using? Uh, because I know I, I wanted to, to focus a lot of time personally as a developer on feature X. However, what I found out is that a lot of my users were actually using feature Z, for instance. Uh, and in that application, what we found is that people were going to the, the TV guide section, like the grid guide, 50% of the time in the application, just the amount of clicks in the event tracking, as we call it, um, that's where they were going to. 
And, and that's why what drew me to finding an analytics and crash reporting solution. But as I was doing that, I immediately found that, oh yeah, this is crashing on X device or Y device and I need to get those reports. And you know, four years ago, uh, there was really no great cross-platform solution. So I've actually gone through a series of different uh, analytic and crash reporting solutions. So for a long time on Android, I used Flurry Analytics and Crash Reporting. I created it my own binding to their Java library and did it that way. Um, then I switched over to Google Analytics because it was available for both iOS and part of Google Play services. And on the Windows side of things, I used Marked Up. Uh, which is no longer around, uh, which was a nice Windows Phone and Windows Store analytic and crash reporting. However, there's a lot of issues with like Flurry and, and Google Analytics because it wasn't it was giving you like the the native crash reporting, but not the managed crash reporting from the .NET side of things. Yeah. And plus, I'm implementing. I basically had to implement an interface to then track reports on each platform, and then each platform kind of track things differently. I was logging into three different websites. And it was very confusing. Uh, and of course, my company wasn't going to pay, you know, we didn't really want to necessarily pay for any solution uh, for this uh, either. So now every single application I, I actually ship um, is completely 100% on Insights because not only uh, is all the crash reporting uh, for free, but I think it's just beautiful cross-platform API. Uh, and that's what's really, really nice about it. You initialize it. You have one API in your portable class library to track all of your events. So you don't have to do if deffing. You don't have to do a custom interface. Like it just works uh, out of the box and it does all of your error and, and exception handling. I think it's really elegant about the solution of insights that you no longer have to worry. It takes the pain out of analytics and crash reporting. And uh, I can't tell you how, how many times it saved my, my butt uh, in not only uh, apps in production, but apps during the review process from Apple, mm. which I'm sure that you are all too familiar with. Because if you get, if, this is interesting, and I've actually heard this multiple times from developers, which is Insights is not only great for in production, but if your application crashes during the review cycle from Apple, um, your app fails certification. Yeah. Uh, and they don't give you any insights as to really why or what they were doing to, to, to crash the application or how it crashed. But if you're using Xamarin Insights, you will immediately not only see when they're using the application, because you'll see it in your users tab uh, that's on there, but uh, you'll see the actual crash and the steps if you're doing event tracking along the way. So I think that's also like a great use case for it. So. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you mentioned about, you know, you, you expected the user to go in via Y and that they're actually going in via Z. And that that's something I've found with my step counter, which is possibly the world's most sim simple, simple app. You know, it's not very complex. But I made a version that you could re reset the step count by swiping down. And I realized that at no point had I told any users that this is how you reset the step count. And that if you swipe back up, it will give you your total count for the day. And I don't... Is anyone actually finding this? So I added insights and I added some event tracking to see how many people would swipe down and then how many would swipe back up. And it turns out that a lot of people would swipe down and then close the app and never open it again. So I think, oh no. Well, I think from that, you know, they're swiping down and it's gone from, you know, I've taken 1,200 steps today to, oh, I've taken none. And they're like, well, how do I get that back? And they're shaking it because you normally shake to undo on an iPhone and it's not undoing it. 
they're like ah so they just quit and they just move on because you know we mobile users we're fickle beasts we don't if, if it doesn't work straight away we're not going to wait around and try and suss it out we expect everything to be super intuitive so it was definitely my bad as a developer for not explaining that to the user but it was very interesting to see that you know my my little suspicion was confirmed through using insights and through tracking that, that information um, and I, I should add you know with with my step counter i don't actually uh, associate that with an individual i don't have any user data other than anonymous event tracking because you know i don't okay. need to know that james Wantamagno took sixteen thousand steps last week because you know that's not that's not of interest to me as a developer to make a better product um i wanted to know about what the user is doing within the application rather than who the user is um yeah but then with the beer tracking app i'm building i'm i'm, I'm gonna track everything and i joke but if, if i could get you know your your blood alcohol level and put it into thermal insights i would totally do that um because I really do want, I, I want to have every bit of data about how you're using the app, what beers you're looking at, how how long are you looking at the beers for, do all the beers have all the information that they need to have, and just feed that all into Insights and use it as my hub to build a picture of how people are using the app. Because as you said, you know, you expect them to use it one way, and then they end up using it another. And I, I, I'm, I'm the only one building this app, and I want to make sure that I'm investing my time in the screens that people are actually using rather than in the bits that I think people are going to eat. Yep. And then also that what that really leads to is a lot of developers are using a multiple uh, beta testing solutions out in the market. I personally just use out-of-the-box uh, vanilla Google, uh, the Google um, beta and alpha services that are built into the developer portal uh, in Google Play. And then also I just use TestFlight from Apple to test that stuff. And the nice thing is yeah. if you're doing this and you put in insights early, you can start detecting that. So if you had a test suite of you know a thousand users on Android or iOS, you could immediately get that feedback and you could see it before you actually release into production. So not only is insights or analytics and crash reporting good for post-production, it's also good for for pre-production during development. I think that's really important that a lot of a lot of people miss, and, and they're like, "Well, well, you know, of course I need to see it after the production, but it's really important during production." And I think that's, um, you know, something to be aware of. Yeah, I always like to get whenever I design an app, I always like to get it into somebody else's hands as quickly as possible, just to watch how they're using it, and, and you know, because as I say. I think people are going to use it in one way. It turns out they want to use it in another. And I watch people do gestures that I'm like, oh, man, you expect it to work like that? And then I have to reassess yeah. the, the entire design. And, you know, I mentioned that I was up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, and it was partly because I couldn't sleep. I, I, I had a chat with a guy who runs my local bar. And I showed him my app. And he was just giving me some feedback. And he gave me so many ideas about how, you know... He works in the pub industry. He understands the users far better than I do. I just drink beer. He deals with them, <laughs> beer drinkers, on a daily basis. And he was explaining, like, the, the subtleties of how people come in and, you know, he knows exactly what they're going to have before they even know what they have. Um, and part of my app is that I want to do this prediction. And, yeah, just getting his feedback was very interesting. And it, it's made me reassess, you know, what are the features that I need in the app. And there's huge parts that I'm just going to rip out for version one and not even bother with. And there are some bits that I hadn't even thought about that I absolutely have to add. 
Um, so is it insights and you know getting it out beta testing priority number one for development this you know we always get so locked into the idea of i just need to write code and i'll ship it to ship it like i get it in the app store get it out there i need to get some app reviews now now i might write a press release once it's been you know in for the review and we should be thinking about these steps way in advance we shouldn't be you know writing the app and then submitting and then looking for testers and you know we need to be thinking about this from the, the moment you write your spec, you should have a plan for how you're going to iterate in the design process to get feedback straight away from the customer. Yep. And, and, and you have to realize that it's not just on the devices, you know, that's where kind of test uh, cloud comes in and Xamarin UI test, which I've been talking a lot about uh, in a lot of my sessions, but also just in my personal life, because it's not only just testing it, in users' hands, but making sure that it works on all the different devices. And I think that's what was really interesting. I became a giant phone user, finally. Uh, we talked about this a little bit before the the podcast. I've got myself a, a Nexus 6. It is just a tad bit bigger than your iPhone 6 Plus, which I thought that you were in love with, but apparently you thought it's a little bit too big. I'm a, I am a giant phone believer. I made fun of everyone that had a giant phone, uh, but giant phones are phenomenal. Uh, and I, you know, a lot of people call them the phablets. I don't like that. I just call it a giant phone. Cause that's what it is. It's a giant phone. And here's the reason why, let me tell you, uh, Mike James, why I'm a giant phone believer, because I had the perfect size phone. It was the Moto X original 2013 model. It's the perfect size. It was almost like the 5S, a little bit, tiny bit bigger than the 5S, a little bit more, uh, more width to it, not height. And it was a perfect phone because you could one hand anything. It was like you're, you're, you was a perfect, right? You could one, yeah. you could thumb everything on the screen, type everything you want. Now here's the problem when you go to an iPhone six or even the new Moto X is that you can no longer your thumb, you just can't physically move that puppy around on the screen, and and you are now forced into a two thumb situation. Yep. Oh, uh, this is off topic. You're forced into a two thumb situation, even on an iPhone six, not the six plus. So here's the theory. If you're already going to go for the two the two hand approach because you have an iPhone six and all the the standard phone sizes are this size, you might as well get more screen real estate out of it and just get bigger. Why not? Just go for it. And it's not that much bigger. It just looks beautiful. It's just stunning and just it still fits in your pocket. I'm I'm a firm believer. I love I'm giant phone giant phone believer. And people can make fun of me if they want because I was one of those. But once you once you get it, giant phone and your app. You know, you're going to be developing a little bit different by using a giant phone because it's a lot more real estate. It makes you think about, I think that's what it makes me think about is not only people that are using a little bit smaller phone, but using a giant phone or a tablet like a 7-inch or an iPad mini, which are very popular. In fact, mm -hmm. most of my applications, they're downloaded mostly on an iPad, not even on an iPhone, like Meetup Manager. It's number one use is on an iPad. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I ended up getting more downloads from Meetup Manager because I turned it into a universal iOS application yeah. instead of only an iPhone yeah. application. And yeah, that application kind of made a little bit more sense. So it made me think about, oh man, what does this application really look like on a, on a device just a little bit bigger than this? Is this feasible? Does it work good? Should I use a collection view or something like that? You know, it makes so you I, think I just think a the, tiny bit more. You know, the, there is still a marked distinction, though, between how you design for iPad and iPhone, because I find designing for my 6 Plus super easy. But whenever I sit down and I'm like, right, I'm going to design an iPad app, everything I make looks like garbage, because it's not... <laughs> and to be fair, everything I made when I started with iPhone looked like garbage. 
I just need to practice at it. But it's not a form factor that I'm particularly comfortable with developing for just yet. You know, my designs still look a bit like I've stretched an iPhone. Um, but my biggest problem with the 6 Plus is that, that two-handed thing. And I've got massive hands. Like, I play the piano and I can reach like from middle C to like a high E, sometimes an F if I'm really stretching. The piano users will know that that's a considerable amount of distance. And yet I still struggle when I'm using one-handed on the phone to get up to the back button. And if the app developer has been an animal and not implemented that I can swipe to go back, I'll have to, you know, if I'm if I've got my latte in the other hand and I'm walking around, and you know, trying to, maps is a perfect example of this. I'm trying to get to the top bar to enter something in because uh, I want to get somewhere. I've got coffee in one hand, and I'm always worried that I'm going to drop the phone. And I've never dropped it out and about to damage it, but I've dropped it numerous times around the house just because I'm trying to one hand it and reach the bits that, even with my monster hand, I can't quite can't quite get around to it so yeah not not a it is that it is that yeah it is that back button it's that back button but on android we have a back button because we don't live like animals with a single back button we have a a back button in the bottom left of every single device produced you know like a normal operating system Mm. um and yeah it's it's quite lovely and i don't know if people i mean i'm sure people know at this point i am more of the android person and mike james more of the ios person but I think that that was the interesting uh, cop-out almost when uh, a- Apple put in the double tap to lower the entire screen oh, <laughs> for the bigger phones. Horrible. But I, I, I would be interested to see what you think if you do switch. Over. I mean, I'm sure the newer iPhones are going to come out this fall. And if you switch to a smaller one, I'd like to see your recap of what you think. I think the problem was is that they were releasing all these new Android phones. Like there's going to be a new Nexus 5 and there's a new Moto X. But they were almost just as big as this phone. So I was like, screw it. And I actually switched to Project Fi. Um, I'm actually on Google's uh, cellular network, which is really interesting. I'm going to give uh, some blog posts on that, how that, that thing works. So I'm actually paying Google for everything now. They just have all my data and they have all my voice data. Why not? So this episode of Xamarin Podcast, Xamarin Insights and Giant Phones. <laughs> I think that's what you could title it. Um, and do you have anything else to add to the Insights thing? I mean, insights doc, Insights.xamarin.com, I think we mentioned. I think to get started, I mean, it's it's exactly the same. Nothing has changed. You go and say new app, and you add one line of code, a NuGet package, and one line of code to your application, and you're done. Yeah. It's like the easiest is the easiest is the easiest thing ever. There's no reason yeah. not to use it. I mean, that's the thing that I'm always te- when I when I go and talk to developers, I'm like, hey, who's a .NET developer? And everyone raises their hands because everyone in the room is awesome. I'm like, who's using Insights? And a couple of people will raise their hands. And I'm like, guys, everyone who didn't raise their hands, next time I see you, I want your hands in the air. You get it for you get this crash reporting for free, and um, we, we haven't worked out just yet how we're gonna you know we are gonna monetize the event tracking and audience and all of that stuff. We haven't worked out the pricing scheme for it yet, but you can rest assured that issues and crash reporting will always be free. And as James says, it's one line of code to get started. You grab a new get package, one line of code, and boom, you've got it sorted. And you can start grabbing all these crash reports. And the new interface is beautiful. We're going to be adding so many more features. And you mentioned Test Cloud, and here's the reason I love Insight. Because I get Xamarin Test Cloud as well, I find the problem in Insights. I'm notified by email, and I get a list of everything the user did that took them to the crash. And I'm straight into UI test. I'm straight creating, exactly you know reproducing what the user did. 
I've got it in something reproducible. I throw it to test cloud and I test it across all the devices. And I'm like, boom, let's fix that bug. Ship it. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I should say, I even have it linked into uh, GitHub. So all my all my repos are online on my GitHub pages. I open source all my apps. And what I do is I do a bug tracker integration to, to GitHub. So I link my GitHub repository to the actual Xamarin Insights. So not only am I getting emails um, on crashes, not warnings, but every time there's a crash, I can have it create a new issue in my GitHub. So I personally can track and see, oh, have I fixed this thing? And actually go actually correct the issue. So I think that's what's really unique um, to set that all up. In fact, I'm, gonna, I'm about to set up this and, and meet up meetup manager because meetup manager was using a bunch of different crash reporting tools and and they've just they've just uh they've just gone ahead and updated it and literally all i have to do is say authorize application and like it's done like it's like a button click it's really really simple it's really cool um to link it and like the you just go in and you say oh here's my repository and, and it pulls in all your data so I just did this. So you link it to your GitHub, and it's like, hey, do you want to authorize insights as an authorized thing? So you just start typing your name, James Montemagno. I find Meetup Manager, and uh, boom. I just go ahead and do it and save configuration. I literally just set up this hook in in 30 seconds yeah. to integrate it into, into it. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it is crazy simple. And I just want to say the supported platforms are quite extensive. My general thing is if you can run .NET there, you can probably run Xamarin Insight. Um, the only place that I think you probably don't want to run Insights is if you've got like a web API and you're using, you know, MV, MVC. Probably not the best technology. Uh, I think Raygun has some pretty good solutions for you there. I know the engineers have mentioned that it's something we will look at in the future. Um, but right now, you can do Xamarin iOS, Xamarin Android, Windows Phone 8.0, Silverlight, Windows Phone uh, 8.1 and WinRT, Xamarin Mac, and then Windows for anything that's, you know, .NET 4.0 and above. So you really yep. can hit, you know, almost anything. Um, and it's one line of code. Go and do it. Now, stop listening to do the it. podcast, go and do it. <laughs> so before we get out of here... Um... Do you, uh, recently, I've, I've been kind of obsessed with uh, you downloading, getting new applications. Not only on my iPhone test devices, but on my Android devices. Do you have any pick of the weeks for for applications that you maybe found really interesting? Maybe you want to shout out at all? Now that is. I'll, I'll start while you search your phone. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll start while you search your phone. So I, I do have. This is a personal friend of mine. Um, if you go to Matsuko's, my blog, you can see I've actually had a little banner just because I love him so much. And I love this application. I think it's a cool, great example of a Xamarin application. Uh, it's called Spacey in the Black. It's a game by Frank Krueger, my good friend. Uh, he's not he's not telling me to you paying me at all for, for, for promoting this at all. I just think it's a really cool example. He uses this open source PCL that he created called N-Graphics. It's a cross-platform graphics API. He created this turn-based... Um, spaceship um, game called Spacey in the Black and it not only it renders all of these 2D graphics on the iPhone or iPad but also on your Apple Watch it's completely cross-platform between it's a full game it's a full game on running on your watch what? on an Apple Watch on, on watch OS 1 oh, yes exactly it's a full 
so yeah if you, if you get it uh, we'll put it we'll put a link into the show notes but if you look at the graphics just on on the app store he's rendering all of this in real time and it's really cool it's like it's really cool it's like this space like exploration you mine for stuff for gas and for like minerals and and you it's turn-based and you like go and you actually do space combat on on your apple watch it is it is bananas it is absolutely crazy i mean and this was done all by Frank and, and 100% all, all in Xamarin and this with is, this N-Graphics library. Oh, man. N-Graphics is... Uh, so my, my dream is to have paint code generate N-Graphics drawing code. You know, that would make... Oh, man, my, that'd be great. Oh, it would make my year. I, I think it might make oh, this my is decade. A, yeah. This is, a, this is a paid app, so I will say it's two ninety nine for a game. Uh, and, uh, you know, Frank's just an independent developer. He's amazing. He created SQLite net. So if you've used any of his stuff, that's, that's Frank. He's really great. And I circuit, we talk about a lot, but, uh, yeah, I just thought it's a really cool example that a lot of people may not have seen. And I just think it just shows the power of a cross-platform library. Cause if you wanted to bring this to Android or Windows one, you could, cause NGraphics supports that. He has to do a little bit of UI work to put it into the actual applications. But I thought it was an amazing example of what you could do today on an Apple Watch that I think no one has really talked about um, out there. But I think it's really cool. So that's my pick Pick of the week. Pick of the week. So I've got two pick of the weeks. One is a Xamarin app and another is just an app that I've been using a lot for inspiration. So I'll use Xamarin app first. Um, so it's called Witchboob. And the reason I mentioned Witchboob <laughs> is because it's made by Chris Hardy. And if you listened to the podcast previously, you'd know that Chris used to host it, uh, and he's director of customer support. So he is now a, a dad. He is the father uh, of a lovely little baby, and so his wife is breastfeeding, and she forgets which boob she used last. So he's got an app that he's built for iOS, and it's got an Apple Watch extension, so that naturally she can use her Apple Watch to work out which boob should I use next to feed with. Um, so that's for free on the App Store. It's called Witchboot. So go and check it out. Nice little shout out for Chris. Um, but the app that I, I've been using a lot, for both inspiration and for, for cooking, is, it's called uh, Fitmen Cook. And it's, hmm. it's a pretty nice looking app. And the reason I, I give a little shout out is that it's got, if you go into the credits, it's got a list of every single framework used. And this is my inspiration for my current set of bindings. So I'm creating bindings for almost everything that they've got in here. They've got some really nice little uh, libraries and UI stuff that I just think is gorgeous. Like if you go and select a food item, just see the parallax and animation uh, to, you know, bringing the title bar in and then animating the text into the title bar. It's just lovely. Absolutely love it. Um, so go and check out that. I think it might be a paid app again. Um, but you, you know you can check out their video just to see some of the animations and as I say this is the inspiration for uh, a lot of the bindings that I'm creating at the moment um, so when you see me throw up a whole host of uh, bindings for Xamarin iOS you'll know that I got them most of the ideas for those bindings from that app uh, because it is very nice very nice so that's my shout out for app cool I think that's is, is uh that's about it for the Xamarin podcast uh where can they where can they find you at, Mike? Uh, so I'm on Twitter at mikecodes.net, uh, and you're you're on Twitter as well, aren't you, James? Yeah, basically, if you just Google my name, uh, or you can uh, Bing it with Google if you want, 
um, and you go and just type in James Montemagno, you'll find me on Twitter at James Montemagno. Mott's Codes uh, is my uh, personal blog, and my GitHub is James Montemagno. I'm everywhere. Uh, and you can find all my source code to all the stuff that I do. Yep, all over. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us on the uh, podcast, James. And uh, let's, let's make sure we, we touch base next week and record another one. Sounds lovely. Thanks. All right, cheers. Cheers.